Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. And so we want to spend time today in the Word of God talking about what it means to be formed in Christ. All right, I have a question for you this morning. Who or what is forming you? Who or what is forming your thoughts, your ideas, the words that come out of your mouth? The the reality is, is that we're all trending in a certain way, okay? So are we trending in godly ways or are we trending in ungodly ways? And that's really the focus of our next 10 weeks with Alpha, uh, with the, the 10 weeks at Alpha that start in October. That's really the focus of what's happening. Who or what is shaping your life? I want to uh, just tell you this morning that much of the material that I'm using this morning comes from a beautiful book called Beautiful Resistance. And Beautiful Resistance is by an author named John Tyson. And if you've never read it, I encourage you to go out and get it. And I want to preach a little bit about this this morning because I believe that this is something that can really change not only us, but change our community. Let me read this uh, quote to you by Ronald Rollheiser. It says this, Western culture today is so powerful and alluring that it often swallows us whole. Its beauty, power, and promise generally take away both our breath and our perspective. The lure of present salvation, money, sex, creativity, the good life has for the most part entertained, amused, distracted, and numbed us into a state where we no longer have a perspective beyond that of our culture and its short-range soteriology. I think we have to recognize that our culture is very skillful at shaping us, very subtle at coming into our lives and shaping who we are in the ways of the world rather than in the ways of Jesus Christ. And the reality is it becomes a slippery slope. And the scriptures actually talk about this. Even in the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah 7.22 says this, For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. Will you read this last sentence with me? They went backward and not forward. They went backward and not forward. And so we see that all along, God's people have been suffering and struggling with this inclination to follow our evil desires and our evil hearts. And the question that we're asking today is, how do we resist this? I know what it's like to feel like to have a divided heart. I want to follow Jesus. I want to do the right things. I want to fall more in love with him, but I constantly feel like I'm being pulled in another direction. Anybody with me? 
How do we resist that temptation? How do we resist that pull? Well, I believe that we resist it by what I want to introduce a new term for us today called counterformation. Everybody say counterformation. Counterformation. Christian formation is counterformation. It's counter to the ways our culture is unintentionally and intentionally forming us. And what it is, it's, it's reorienting our divided hearts in the direction of Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know about you, but I have been incredibly informed by Disney, okay? Disney has formed and informed me. I mean, all of the happily ever afters, all of the beautiful moments where you just get to fall in love. I mean, I thought I was Jasmine and someday God was going to bring me my Aladdin and we were going to ride off on a magic carpet. And you know what? God did bring me my Aladdin. But you know what? We didn't ride off on a magic carpet. We rode off on a 1998 Geo Metro that almost died every time we got in it. You know what? We would get in that thing and we would drive and we never knew if we were going to make it home. But it didn't matter because we were Aladdin and Jasmine, right? We were in love. And you know what? I think that sometimes when we're growing up, we don't realize the messaging that we're taking into our hearts. Recently, my daughter, my three-year-old daughter, has become obsessed with the movies Frozen, okay? And she calls them One Frozen and Two Frozen. Mom, I want to watch Two Frozen this time because there's two of them, if you didn't know. And this movie is like crack cocaine for little girls. I mean, they just love it. And they can't, every time we turn on the TV, Mom, can I watch One Frozen or Two Frozen? She loves it. And she can almost sing every single word to the songs in Frozen. She's three years old. Do you guys want to hear this? She, you know what? She's pretty cute. She's a little pitchy, but just give her grace because she's getting, she's getting better. Okay, so let's roll this. Yes, okay, that's the, that's the end, that's the end. I don't know what the growl was at the end. But she's, she's, she's coming out. She's going to be a phenomenal singer. But you know what? One day, I was listening very closely to the words that were coming out of my daughter's mouth from this famous song, Let It Go. Are you familiar with this song? Um, and I was listening to the lyrics, and here's what these lyrics say. Don't let them in, don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Let it go, let it go. I am the one with the wind and sky. Let it go, let it go. You'll never see me cry. And then there's another part of the lyric that says this. There's no right, there's no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. And I heard these words come out of my three-year-old daughter's mouth. And I grabbed that remote and I paused it. And I said, Nala, Elsa is wrong. She is lying to you. It is okay to feel emotions. You don't have to conceal them. You can feel them. And then I proceeded to make her tell me every single emotion she knew that she's learning in preschool right now. Yeah. 
And then I said, Nala, there is a right and a wrong. Elsa is beautiful. She has a beautiful voice, but her theology is horrible. <laughs> Nala, don't listen to this. And I tell you what, I, every single time we listen to this song, I pause it and I said, what did mommy teach you about this? And she's like, feelings, feelings, it's okay, I can, you know? But, but, and I'm not telling you to hate Disney or not let your children watch these movies or whatever. It's your prerogative. You're the adult. What I want us to understand is how quickly and how early we're being formed in the ways of the world and not Jesus Christ. Do you see this? My daughter is three years old. This is happening so quickly. Most of us are following the stubborn inclinations of our evil hearts. And we need to commit to counter-formation. Everybody say counter-formation. We're constantly being pulled to operate in our political ideologies. I am seeing so many things being posted online by Christian people, and they're good things, but they are not biblical things. And they cross over a line. Uh, like Frozen influences my daughter, we're being shaped by CNN and by Fox and by TikTok. And I don't hate TikTok, but I'm telling you what, they're called social media influencers for a reason. They know how to shape you. They know how to make you think a little bit differently until all of a sudden these thoughts and the ways that we're being shaped become normal, become something that we're used to, even seem a bit noble at times. And we're being formed in these ways. Now, I have a lot of grace because the truth is many of us became Christians and we were really excited to surrender our lives to Jesus. And all of a sudden, we came, became confronted with the fact that our desires didn't fully change. And there was still evil in our hearts. And I think some of us thought that when we became Christians, all of that would just kind of work itself out, right? But we find out that we have it, our hearts are still fragmented. They're still broken. Even when we give our lives to Jesus, there is a lack of integration from our former selves and our new selves coming together. And what do we do? We try to do two things. We either try to operate in legalism, where we just try to follow all the rules perfectly. We try to disciple or spiritual discipline our way through things. We just shove all of it down. And we just try to operate in these ways of legalism. And it's not a life-giving life with Christ. Or we do this other thing where we just suppress it. We just say, you know what, I'm going to stuff it in so tight and I just pray to God it doesn't leak out. And nobody would see that I still have sin and suffering and struggle in my life. Can I tell you that this happened all the way through the scriptures? And the good news today is you're not alone. We all struggle with this. You're not alone. And so we all need to commit to what it means to experience a counterformation in Christ. I want to read this quote to you. The goal of Christian spiritual formation is not the suppression or removal of our longings and the cries of our heart. It's reorienting and reintegrating our whole selves towards God's love. Amen. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, I want to look at Matthew chapter 22, 34. It says this, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
You know, Pastor Pradeepan and I decided that in the next three weeks, we're going to do a little mini series in our big series. It's like an inception series, okay? And what we're going to do is we're actually going to talk about what it means to be in a, in a process of counterformation. And we're going to look at this first commandment that God gave us and that Jesus spoke to in this moment in the scriptures. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so today, we're going to talk about just one of them because I tried to write a sermon with all three of them. And it could be three, it's three whole sermons, okay? So we're going to talk about heart today. And next week, Pastor Pradeepan is going to pick up on loving God with all of your soul. So today, our first question is this, what is the condition of your heart? We have to have an honest conversation about the condition of our hearts. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Wow. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Does it ever feel impossible to you to love the Lord your God with your whole heart all the time? Doesn't it just seem like, God, how did you expect human beings to be able to do that? How is that possible? Well, I want to give you the context of this scripture in Matthew chapter 22. The context is this. This scribe or expert of the law goes to Jesus in front of all of these people, especially in front of the, uh, the religious leaders, and he goes up to them and he asks him this question, what is the, the best, what is the most important law? And the reason he was asking this is because the religious leaders in the time thought that in order to be a good Christian, you had to follow all of the laws of the Old Testament of Moses. And does anybody know how many laws there were? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. The rabbinic tradition identified 613 commands in the first five books of the Bible alone. 613. Of these, 365 were negative and 248 were positive. Some were light, making less demand, while others were viewed as heavy with severe repercussions for disobedience. So the scribe asked Jesus to declare himself, and our Lord gladly obliges. And his answer takes us to the core of what really matters. Who wants to try to follow 613 commandments perfectly? I don't. And so this scribe has asked Jesus, which one is the most important? And the religious leaders, they are listening very carefully to his answers. And I love Jesus' uh, answer. He just kind of simplifies them all. And he says, what I want you to know is that I want your heart. Love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Stop worrying about your performance. Stop worrying about all of these external things that you're doing right or wrong. I want your heart. This is what he says. And the religious leaders are like, what? What? Wait, wait, wait. For, year, for history, we've been following the laws of Moses. And what? What? And so we see here. That although they were interested in just the works of God, God was saying and Jesus was saying, I want your full heart. Do you know, do you know that you can follow every commandment in the Bible and still have a heart far from God? You can be here this morning and say, I'm checking off the church box. I'm checking off the small group box. I'm checking off my reading my Bible box. But your heart can still be far from God. Matthew 15, 8 says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I think what we have to understand about our hearts 
is our hearts are the central operating system in which we operate from. It's where our, our identity lies. It's where our thoughts and our words and the things we think about things, it's all of that originates in our hearts. It's the core of a person's identity. It's where the religious commitment takes place. It's where our loyalties lie. Our hearts are everything. They make up so much about who we are. And the reality is, is that we cannot fix our fragmented and broken hearts on our own. And I think that our culture has tried to help us by giving us a lot of self-help resources and self-help tools. But can I tell you this morning that counterformation isn't just another project self-moment. Counterformation is a transformation of your heart. And that is the moment. In five years here at Kalos Church, we are, we've just celebrated this is the moment that we're in. We don't want this to just be another self-help moment for you. We want the Spirit of God to transform your life and transform your heart. So what do I mean by being reoriented? Everybody say reoriented. Reoriented. Here's a definition. To find one's position again in relationship to one's surrounding. Okay? Here's an example. Every time Pastor Pritifin and I go to Kansas, we, where I grew up in the country, we have to reorient ourselves. Because Kansas is very different from Seattle, if you can imagine. And so one time, I'll never forget the first time I took Pradeepin home with me to my hometown, small town. We lived in the countries. Our neighbors, you can't see our neighbors for miles away. That's how I grew up. Beautiful sunflower fields. But it is quiet there. It is peaceful there. Okay, it's Kansas. And I'll never forget trying to prepare my boyfriend at the time to come to Kansas. And he said, do you even have electricity in Kansas? Do you even drive cars? And I was like, yes, are you kidding me? Like, it's basically the same. And I said this phrase, which is a little bit misleading. I said, I'm basically a city girl, honey. And that was actually not true. I did not grow up a city girl. But I was just trying to help him understand. So we get to Kansas, and I kid you not, we get to my house, and a storm goes through, and the electricity in our house goes out. And not only that, I take him to the town where I graduated from college, and I kid you not, again, a man is trotting down the road on a horse. And I'm like, this, is, this doesn't really happen. And he's like, I don't believe you. This is what I thought Kansas was going to be like, and it is proving to be true. But the fact is, we always have to reorient ourselves when we get to Kansas, because it's very different than the life that we have here. So how do we reorient our lives around Christ? Well, I think we have to identify the condition of our hearts. We have to have a real, honest conversation about where you actually are with your heart. I'm going to give you a few examples. Do you have a dead heart? You don't care about God. You want nothing to do with God. If you're here in church, that's probably not you. Do you have an idolatrous heart? There's something in the center of your heart that's not God, but it's getting all of your attention, it's getting all of your vision, and it's getting all of your resources. 
an idolatrous heart. Do you have a hardened heart? People, you know, people a lot come to Kalos with a hardened heart because they've been wounded and hurt by the church or by church leaders. And so there's a hardening of heart. There's, there's this resistance. We want to love God, but I've been so hurt by the church. There's a hardening that has happened inside of us. Do you have a divided heart? You want to chase God, but you also want to chase other things too. Another way we used to say it, you want your, you want to have your cake and eat it too. Prefin always says, if you give me cake, I'm going to eat it. And I say, honey, that's not the point. It's just a metaphor, right? A divided heart. And then the last one, a devoted heart. The center of your being is in love with God. You're moved by who he is. Everything about you oozes the spirit of God. A devoted heart. What is the condition of your heart this morning? Because Jesus wants your whole heart. I remember a few years ago in the height of the pandemic, um, and, and many of you have heard this story a bit, but it, we, we keep bringing it up, Pastor Preet and I, because it's a place where we can be really vulnerable with you. And we want to be vulnerable with you. But a few years ago when uh, my son was diagnosed with autism, we thought that my daughter was also struggling. We were worried that she may have special needs as well. She's okay, thank goodness. But in that moment, there was a period of time for a few months where Pastor Pradeepan and I had to face the reality, and this is true, we had to face the reality that maybe neither one of our children would ever be able to speak. We had to face the reality that maybe neither one of our children would ever be able to have a relationship with us. We had to face the reality that maybe both of our children would have to have 24-7 care for the rest of their lives. That was the reality that we faced in the height of the pandemic, in the middle of the world just being on fire, plus our home felt like it was on fire. And I remember being in such despair in my life. It was so, so horrible. And I could tell that my heart started to harden. It started to harden. And I started having thoughts like this. What's the point anymore? What is the point of following Jesus? I started having these thoughts. I started thinking and imagining me stepping down from ministry here at Kalos Church, I started imagining just being at home with my two children with special needs and just sort of grieving for the rest of my life the lot that they had been given. This is, this is what I started thinking. I started thinking thoughts like, you know, I know a lot of people who don't follow Jesus and their lives seem really fine. I started having those thoughts and my heart started to harden. And I knew that it was hardening, but I was in so much despair. This song that we just sang, even when it hurts like hell, that's where we were at in that moment. I'll never forget, I got the phone number of a, a beautiful, spirit-filled counselor, Christian counselor. I got her phone number, never even met the guy that gave us that phone number. I got in my car, I drove to the park, and I called this woman, and I told her, that my heart was hardening because my family was falling apart and my kids weren't getting a chance in the world. And I was in so much despair. I was in so much despair, my heart was hardening. And I was like, God, this is, this is a human experience to have. I was trying to face my way to victory and I couldn't do it. And I called her and I poured out my heart to this person on the other side of the phone that I had never met before. And she said, why don't you come in? 
<laughs> and so I went in the next day and I saw her and I met her for the first time. And I looked at our bank account before I left and I, I realized that we only had enough money to, for me to be able to see this counselor maybe about four times. And I remember going in and seeing her and seeing her a couple of times and it was so good to be able to see her. And I'll never forget, I looked at her at the second time and I said, listen, I only have two more times. We can't afford any more than two more times with you today or with, with you. I can't see you beyond this time. And she looked at me and she said, Amritha, I want to help you. Why don't you guys just pay what you can pay? And I want you to see something in this process. And it's taken a while. I began to reorient my life and align my life back to the purposes of Jesus Christ. And it's a process. And it can be hard, but you can do it. You might feel like you are the furthest away from being able to have a counterformation moment in your life, but you're not. It's not too late. It doesn't matter how divided your heart is, how idolatrous your heart might be. It is not too late to reorient. You can do it with God. And God did it with his merciful grace through a counselor for me. And I have realigned my heart. And I tell you today, my heart is not hardened toward Jesus. It is not hardened. So there's a process that we go through that I believe can really change our lives. And I stand here today feeling like the woman with the issue of blood. And Jesus looked at her and said, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. I feel like blind Bartimaeus who wouldn't shut up. And the disciples were like, shut up. And Jesus said, bring him to me. And so they said, take heart. Jesus wants to see you. I feel like in the scriptures, when Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but say it with me, take heart. I have come to overcome the world. Take heart. Take heart. It is possible to love God with your whole heart. It is possible, my friends, if we would commit to aligning ourselves in the direction of Jesus Christ. Can I get a good amen? Amen, amen. Number two, what is the condition of your emotions? The condition of our hearts don't happen without our emotions, okay? Our hearts and our emotions are deeply connected. I think some of you believe I can just love God and have repressed emotions. I'm gonna tell you right now, trigger warning, I'm about to talk about repressed emotions. Because there's a lot of that happening in our generation. And, and you know, our, our hearts are connected to our emotions, not just uh, spiritually, but also physically. I want to read you some stats about heart health. Studies show that the risk of a heart attack increases 21-fold within 24 hours after the loss of a loved one. It's called broken heart syndrome. The technical term is called stress cardiomyopathy. Stress, we all know, equals high blood pressure. The American Heart Association recommends that every heart patient be routinely screened for depression because their emotional health affects their heart health. Our hearts and our emotions are very deeply connected and intertwined with one another. You know, we all know people who are super emotional, and it just feels like they're governed by their emotions. And we all know people who feel like they don't have any emotions at all. You know, there are some of us that really struggle to make rash decisions. We make irrational decisions. This week, 
I was working on my sermon and I got a little tab on my Gmail that said, your account is full. It's the storage is full. And I was like, what? And not only could I not send or receive emails, I couldn't work on a Google Doc. I didn't know that you couldn't work on a Google Doc. When, you're, when your storage is full, some of you are like, well, duh. And so I'm trying to figure this out. So I go in, I try to delete a bunch of stuff so that I could have some room. And still, that stupid little banner said, your storage is too full. And I got frustrated. I got in a flurry of frustration and I started deleting all kinds of things. And I want to tell you that on Thursday morning, I deleted everything in my inbox. And I know you're sitting there saying, oh, Omri, that's okay. Did you know that you still have those emails in your trash can for 30 days? I deleted those too. And I couldn't recover those. They were all gone. Some of us have a hard time making rash decisions, okay? We're irrational at moments. And uh, I think that this happens a lot. But if I'm honest, I've met more people in the last five to six years here in Seattle who are on the opposite spectrum of that and are so emotionally repressed that it's dangerous. Some of us have a hard time expressing our feelings. Some of us don't want to admit that we're not in touch with our feelings. Let me, feelings, let me give you a definition of repression. Repression usually refers to the tendency to avoid uncomfortable feelings. You unconsciously push painful feelings, thoughts, and memories out of your consciousness. This lets you forget them, and these are normally unprocessed emotions. Some of us grew up in cultures where we never talk about emotions. Emotions are not a part of our culture. I just want to tell you this morning that, it, that no matter what, repressed emotions are not what God would have for you and your emotions, your emotional health and your heart health as well. It's hard to not avoid or bury difficult emotions. Some of us hide from emotions behind humor or sarcasm. I'm not looking at anyone in particular in this room, but sometimes that happens as well. And at the end of the day, what does this do? It causes us to have an inability to open up to people. When we're shut off to ourselves, we're shut off to other people. Some of you need a visual. Okay, I'm going to give you a visual of this. I'm going to put this meme up here, a couple of memes. Therapist, you need to let people in. Me, it's not locked. <laughs> Me trying to open up to someone. I hate when that happens. When you feel empty inside and then suddenly get hit with 64 different emotions all at once. I know how that feels. Anybody relate to some of those? Yes. We struggle with this emotion. And I want to tell you this. You can't love God with all of your heart if you are emotionally repressed. We like in our culture to brag about compartmentalization. But some of us have compartmentalized so much that we are completely disassociated from reality. And I want to I sound the alarm on this because I think our generation is dangerously numb. We are so out of touch with our emotions and our emotional health is so bad. And what is this doing to us? We're suffering from emotional, sick, emotional sickness and you know what it does? It gives us the inability to have empathy for others. We wonder why we have such a dehumanization problem in our society. We don't feel anything. How are we going to feel anything for anyone else? It gives us this inability to have, in, uh, to have empathy for others. We, maybe you feel like you're married to somebody who's emotionally repressed. That makes for a hard marriage. Maybe you're someone in this room that says, my mother 
or my father was not emotionally available to me, I don't know how to let my guard down, ever. And it's affected all of your relationships. I want to tell you this morning that this is not how we were designed. God designed us with emotions to be in touch with so that we could love God with all of our heart. And this is possible. I want to tell you really quick a story of my friend Linda, who is our small group director here at Kalos Church. She gave me permission to share this story. Linda and I got to know each other years ago in Michigan, and I remember when we we, we got to know each other, we became close pretty quickly, but I had only really ever heard little, like, parts of Linda's story. And if you've never heard her story before, you should ask her. But I can tell you this much. Linda grew up in an incredibly abusive, neglectful environment in her life. She, as a child and as a teenager, faced things that no child or teenager should ever have to face. And so we get to Seattle, and one time her and I are just sort of processing her life. And we start realizing that Linda has completely blanked out on certain parts of her life. And she said, Amritha, I feel like I just blacked out. She said, I don't remember, I don't remember certain things, but you know what was happening to her? She couldn't remember consciously, but she could feel it. It's called a feeling state. You can feel, your brain will capture feelings that you had when you were very young that could have been very traumatic, but you just don't necessarily remember the memories. So her and I start talking, and I say, hey, Linda, you know what? I wonder if you have some repressed emotions and repressed memories that God would want to touch and deal with. And Linda said, she said, yeah. She said, you know, I- I've even called my siblings because I've wondered, is what, I'm, is what I'm remembering true? And she had to verify with them because everything was just so traumatic in her life. So Linda began to see a counselor, a Christian counselor. And they began to walk with her and unpack repressed emotions, repressed memories. These were memories that she unconsciously repressed. And I remember telling Linda, I said, you know, I think that you're going to be able to tell that your healing is coming when you can start telling your whole story and feel connected to it. And do you know that three weeks ago, I don't know if you were there or not, Linda shared her testimony in front of 2,000 people at Worship in the Park. And she shared her testimony. And I said to her afterwards, I said, I have never heard you share your story so connected, so confident. She had an accuracy about her life and her story because she decided not to disassociate with part of her life and her emotions. You also can experience that in your life. And I encourage you to do so. I want to read this quote to you. It's important for our spirituality to be emotionally healthy. Christian spirituality without an integration of emotional health can be deadly to yourself, your relationship with God, and the people around you. I believe that the Spirit of God can transform you and you can reorient your emotions. Nobody is too far gone. So last point here today is where do we start? Where do we start with this process of counterformation? I don't know about you, but this can be very overwhelming, everything that I just said. How do I love God with all of my heart? How do I understand the condition of my emotions? Well, I want to give you a very well-known scripture to take with you today, okay, as you ponder some of the things that I have shared. 
Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord. At Kalos Church, we want to make an easy starting point for you. If you're somebody who says, I am being formed by the world. I, I, I don't love God with my whole heart, my whole soul, my whole mind. We have an easy on-ramp for you. We want you to join an alpha group. Because this is what Alpha is going to do in 10 weeks. It's going to give you a space to process some of the things that may be going on inside of your heart. We have trained leaders that aren't going to preach at you. You know what they're going to do? They're going to facilitate a conversation with you and they're going to pray with you. And there's not going to be a question about God that's going to offend them. You can come to an alpha group just the way that you are. And I believe that God has a healing whole story for many of you. And your broken hearts. He loves you. Let me just close this morning with this story. And we're going to put up here in just a moment at the end of service. We're going to put up a way for you to sign up for an alpha group. But as we commit to counterformation, I want to tell you a story that John Tyson talks about. Uh, a man named Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany during the Holocaust. And this man started a seminary for pastors and people who wanted to love God. And he created this little seminary. It was underground. It was under the radar. Again, this is during the time of Hitler's reign. And he begins to pour into leaders and pastors in this really intense way and help them be counter, be, have, be, have a formation in Christ. He had a vision for counterformation. And he was so crazy for Jesus. This whole thing was crazy. It was dangerous. And this friend of his from back in the day in college comes up to him and he says, Diedrich, you need to kind of come down to earth a little bit. This is really intense. I mean, I know some crazy spiritual people. I think that's how Diedrich Bonhoeffer was perceived in this moment. He says, you, can, you need to just calm down with this Jesus stuff and with this discipleship stuff. And Diedrich Bonhoeffer puts this guy in a boat. And they go over to a place, an area where Hitler was training his troops. And he looks at this guy and he says this, the thing that I'm doing with this seminary, forming people in Christ, this has to be stronger than the formation that Hitler is giving his troops. Diedrich Bonhoeffer had a vision for counter-formation. He wanted to, with the same intensity, form people in the ways of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? We need to have a vision for counterformation. So I want to pray for you this morning. Those of you that want to commit to this moment, to give your heart fully to Jesus. So why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes? Lord Jesus, Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for your unmerited grace, for the sin in our life, for the struggle that many of us just keep finding ourselves in over and over and over again. God, right now I ask that you would impart into every single person a vision for counterformation in their lives. And I pray, God, that by your spirit, you would give us the strength to reorient our hearts and reorient our emotions around you, Jesus Christ, and your love. 
Thank you for going to the cross, that it would be made possible that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. We love you. And we commit in this moment as a church to counter formation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.